0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: What's up, y'all? It's the Guys and Ties podcast. Welcome back. I've got Rob on the phone. This is Dustin, and we are going to be talking about the Clemson game. UVA versus Clemson happened on this past Saturday. We're doing this on Monday. It's about 6. Rob, how are you doing today?
2: Great, man. It's great to be back on, and you know we're firmly into kind of the football schedule now. It feels pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, nothing's, you know, we haven't been canceled anymore yet, which has been great. And, uh, we're excited to, to continue playing football. And it seems like we're, we're actually going to maybe make it all the way through the season. Although we'll see because the NFL is currently having trouble, uh, keeping their players healthy. So we'll see how college can do.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we, we ourselves had a little scare there. We had seven players and a coach out, mm-hmm. um, but you know nothing virginia tech level yet which is good
1: yeah thank goodness for that <laughs> and so today we're going to be talking about the clemson game we're going to be looking forward to the uh nc state game which is going to be next week uh but before we do that we want to talk to you about our sponsors bet online the wait is finally over a triple header of fun is upon us this week we've had nba finals is here football is here and NBA MLB playoffs are in full swing you might be you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on everything imaginable for this reason from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online head to bet online today to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts so uva goes into death valley faces the clemson tigers comes out with a not as bad of a loss as it could have been but 41 to 23 uh rob how did you feel after watching the game on saturday night
2: i was obviously disappointed that we lost and i don't think anyone could say you know i'm not a big moral victories guy but you know we showed pretty well um you know it's clear that Clemson is just kind of a talent grade above UVA. And mm-hmm. We knew that going into the game, and you know we certainly saw that last year in the ACC championship game in Charlotte. I think the biggest takeaway here is that the gap appears to be a bit closer between UVA and Clemson. Now I would say Clemson this year is not as good as they were last year. They don't have quite the weapons on the outside in a T. Higgins and a Justin Ross. I would say UVA's offense is also a little bit of a step down, but the defense is a step up. And I would say the league as a whole is up as well. Um, The ACC that is, but you know, we'll dive into kind of what went well and what didn't go so well for UVA. But I think my biggest takeaway is, you know, the gap between UVA and Clemson that looked so, so large last year is a bit narrowed and, Mm -hmm. you know, year five of Bronco. We're not, we're not quite at the level of beating number one teams in the country, but I thought we showed ourselves pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the way this team fought and the way this team played. I thought that they did a great job of, um, of you know, making sure that they did the best that they could because, in all fairness, you know, Clemson is really, really good. And uh, we fought um, probably, you know, a little bit better than a lot of people thought we would. You know, the, the point, I'd have... Friend who took the points over for Clemson they the over points for Clemson was set at 41 and a half Clemson hit 41 so he lost his money and um I think that you know in all fairness uh UVA beat the spread which is you know good as well um meaning we didn't lose as bad as people thought we would and you uh UVA held Clemson to under the points that they thought they would get so in um, all things considered, I think UVA played decently. Of course, there are some things that we could have done better. Um, I think that if UVA did some things differently, we could have come out with, you know, a much closer win or at least kept it close for a little bit um, or closer. But uh, I really felt like we did probably the best that we could and uh, with what we were given.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty much on the exact same page. So, I mean, as we break this down, let's look at what went right for UVA. Like when you look at kind of the pluses on the scorecard that UVA had in their favor, what were you impressed with watching that game?
1: The I think the number one thing that impressed me was the fact that we only had one penalty for 15 yards the entire game. Now this is a team that has been plagued by penalties under past coaches. We don't have to mention them, but, um, <laughs> we have been plagued by these penalties in years past, just undisciplined teams. Uh, Broncos teams are very disciplined. He is able to keep them uh, under control. And we've seen that not only through COVID protocols, but now um, in our second game of the year against the number one team in the country, we have one penalty for 15 yards. I think that's pretty good. And uh, I was really proud of them for doing that.
2: Yeah. You know, you want to find the line there. And I remember, during broncos first game actually against richmond i remember we did not have any penalties in that game mm-hmm. and bronco was like well there's a line you know we want our guys to be aggressive and push the limits a bit so not having any penalties may not be the best indicator but i think what we saw yesterday was just kind of how far this team has certainly come since mm-hmm. that richmond loss um you know being able to stay aggressive while also being those blend
1: for sure yeah and uh, you know it's good to it's good to see that Rob. What do you th- What were you impressed by, or what did you like from that game?
2: You know, I liked. I don't know. Is it too is it too cheesy to say I liked our competitiveness?
1: No, you know, no, I no, I think that, that's I think that's a perfect example. Yeah,
2: like for a game that was so out of hand last year. You know, there was never there were points in the game where it got a little dull and you eventually reached a point where you kinda you knew Clemson was gonna come out ahead. But for a while there it was a pretty evenly matched game. And if you look at the box score, you know, there's really not that many differences. You know, the biggest difference is kind of the turnover battle and those Mm -hmm. two Brennan Armstrong interceptions especially came at inopportune times. But you look at the way the defense played you know, the third down and long defense was obviously frustrating. And I thought Bronco's comment today at his Monday press conference was kind of interesting. He said, you know, we practice so much on limiting the deep plays that when we actually did get them in a third and long situations, they hadn't practiced that that much. because mm-hmm. They weren't really expecting necessarily to have Clemson in those third and long situations. So, you know, you certainly would have liked to see that change. Um, but I mean, you also have to give credit where credit is due. You know, Travis Etienne is an incredible running back. And, you know, we want to talk about Trevor Lawrence and Amari Rogers, but Etienne is maybe the easiest guy to overlook for how good he is. Mm -hmm. And he certainly showed well as a runner, um, you know, 73 uh, yards. By the way, he didn't have any carries that went for negative yards, which in and of itself is really impressive. But receiving, you know, five receptions, 114 yards, you know, Clemson just has so many ways they can beat you and Mm -hmm. for the most part Virginia really did do well limiting the deep uh throws you know the longest reception by Clemson that wasn't by ETN was 29 yards which is you know so different than how the game last year went yeah but at the same time you know you just have to respect so many parts of Clemson's offense and you know that was just the one facet that we really couldn't tackle and you know and the first half, so I think more of it was due to scheme. You know, we saw some 155 five looks out of the defense, and you know, looks on third downs where there were no down linemen. I think Clemson kind of took advantage of that. They weren't really confused by what UVA was doing. And in the second half, I thought fundamentally we played pretty well, but in the second half it came more down and missed tackles. And you know, the Clemson athletes just showing, like you said, why they were four and five stars while most of our guys were three stars. Mm-hmm. So that's a gap this team is starting to close, but. It's still a gap, and you know Clemson's going to do that to pretty much everyone they play this season.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny when you said uh, Etn was overlooked because he's a two-time ACC Player of the Year. <laughs> you know, and you you when you think of Clemson, I think the first thing I think of is definitely you know Trevor Lawrence and that his incredible arm. But Etn is maybe more impressive, if not better. At, at the college level, at least, than Trevor Lawrence, just based on what he can do, especially in the passing game. Like we, you think of him as a rusher, you think of him as just gonna, you know, pick his holes and and take you for a ride. But he he torched us in the passing game, and I I agree. You know, just those third and longs that you're talking about. I'm thinking of once specifically when it was, I think it was like third and sixteen from inside of the ten of our ten, maybe our five or their five. And uh, Trevor Lawrence just gave a little toss to ET and he took it for like 25 yards. So um, that was frustrating to say the least. And it was definitely um, not not how we wanted to hold them. Because our defense, I think, overall did a good job. You know, they scored 41 points, uh, which is a lot for sure. But overall, our defense, I didn't feel like played badly. I mean, there were some missed tackles but that's going to happen against the number one team in the country, especially when, you know, as you've said, the talent difference is just you can see the gap on the field.
2: Yeah, and, you know, with with all due respect to Trevor Lawrence, he played a really efficient game. You know, 25 for 38, uh, 329 yards, three touchdowns, the zero interceptions, which to me kind of leads into, you know, the point that Bronco makes. You know, they have the shield, you know, you want to score – I think it's 24 plus points, have a five yard advantage in field position and win the turnover battle. And if you do that, Broncos says it gives you an 85% chance to win the game. Well, you know, looking at some of Clemson's points, you know, they did score 41 points, but you think about how some of those came, you know, you think back to the opening kickoff that they returned for 50 plus yards, mm-hmm. you know, Virginia, let them get one first down after that, but even just allowing that one first down was enough to get them in a the field goal range. You also think about Brennan Armstrong's interception, uh, the first coming, you know, pretty close to before halftime, and that gave Clemson really good field position too, you know, a short field that they were able to take advantage of. So, you know, Bronco says he's very much of the Bill Belichick mindset of, you know, three to four plays decide the outcome of the game. He said this game probably more like five to six plays decided the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. But you know, looking back at this game, it really is pretty easy to be able to identify that and Brennan Armstrong 24 for 43 for 270 yards three touchdowns and two interceptions you know you think back to those interceptions one that we just talked about came on we can talk about this a really interesting play design that I don't necessarily love but it it gave UVA um, or it gave Clemson really good field position Mm -hmm. for their touchdown and then you think about the one you know Virginia had just hit LaBelle Davis on a pretty deep ball they go right back to him in the end zone. If Virginia is able to come up with that ball, you know, it's a one score game. They're within a touchdown, but Clemson, you know, an incredibly athletic play by that corner to intercept that ball. Um, and, you know, that just kind of shows the talent d- level too, that you're dealing with, um, you know, with all due respect to Bell Davis, he's a true freshman. And, you know, with all due respect to Brennan Armstrong, it was his second start. Um, so hopefully that's a play next year that, you know, Clemson does not intercept that ball but it's just kind of one of those things that is what it is with this offense at the moment. But, you know, again, not the best timing for Brennan Armstrong's second interception. And, you know, that's the difference between this year and last year is this year, we're able to actually look at some plays and say, Hey, well, maybe if this went the other way, or maybe if that could have happened, then the outcome could have been a little different when last year it was just, Oh my God, look at Clemson. They're so good. Mm-hmm. So at least we've kind of like progressed in our conversations of, you know, how we're able to analyze this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the other thing about, you know, his second interception was it was right at the beginning of the third quarter and we had just actually scored right before halftime to get within 14. It was 1024 at halftime. And then Brennan gets intercepted on in the goal line on the goal line. Uh, Clemson makes a field goal and then we score a touchdown the next drive. Um, which brings us to within ten. So it was seventeen to twenty seven in favor of Clemson. I feel like if we get that touchdown instead of an interception, it's a whole different ball game because at that point it's seventeen twenty four, we're down by a touchdown, and then we kick off to Clemson again. I think, it, you know, it just kinda of turned the tide and even though we were kind of in it in the third quarter, um, at seventeen twenty seven, you know, Clemson goes right back down the field in two minutes the next next drive scores a touchdown it just you know was a huge momentum shift in favor of Clemson when I feel like UVA had something going for them kind of right at the end of the half you know Brennan throws a nice nice ball to Jana and then uh you know he just throws a pick in the next next half it just was kind of a mood killer
2: yeah I mean I feel that and it's just kind of the growing pains of a young quarterback and You know, all things considered, I do think Brennan Armstrong should well. You know, things that I'd Mm -hmm. like to see from Brennan Armstrong on this offense in general is to kind of lean the focus a bit away from him as much as you can. You know, 43 pass attempts for me, that's still a bit high. You know, I'd like his pass attempts to probably be in the 30 to 35 range. You know, he also had 22 rushing attempts, which is kind of the Bryce Perkins mold. You know, Bryce would go games where he had 15, 20 rushing attempts. Um, So Brennan had 22 as well. So they're certainly not, you know, easing Brendan Armstrong into things like they are giving him pretty much the full playbook here and letting him do what they think he can do. And he's shown some growing pains and, you know, with all fairness, showing some growing pains against the number one team in the country is totally understandable. Uh, and I do think he progressed, you know, notably from that opener against Duke. I thought we saw a much better Brennan Armstrong than we did mm-hmm. in week one against Duke. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, this is his second start, and you know, I, if you remember after Bryce Perkins' second start, it was that rain game against Indiana, oh, and yeah. we were, we were, you know, very much, you know, can Bryce throw the ball? You know, <laughs> what are we gonna do here? Mm-hmm. Um, Brennan still inspires confidence. It's just an offense that's evolving, an offense that, you know, admittedly doesn't have necessarily the depth at receiver that we would probably like, you know, which leads us to playing a Keaton Thompson and Ira Armstead a bit there. Um, So it's an evolving offense, but they're going more hurry up. They're using more tempo. And, you know, they're going to reach a point, hopefully it's this season, but maybe it's next season, but they're going to reach a point where they're pretty good, I think. And mm. I think we're just kind of seeing the evolution of that.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's good. And, you know, it's all it's all part of growing. I'm really looking forward to this. A game on saturday against nc state where we can kind of get a maybe a good sense against a i think a much worse opponent um of how good this team actually is and and what they're going to be able to do so that'll be nice and i'm excited for that
2: yeah and am looking ahead to nc state um is there anything that you know you want to see uva clean up on anything where you think you can improve you know trying to put a positive spin on kind of what went wrong maybe against Clemson you know what are we looking to kind of clean up and maybe take advantage of um as we kind of transition it to hopefully easier ACC opponents Well,
1: so you know we've got um this fantastic freshman wide receiver in Lavelle Davis uh we've both talked about him at great length over the past couple of days and um I'm excited to see him. I hope he and Brennan can get on more of a page. Like, I don't know if if people were expecting or if the if the um coaches were expecting Lavelle Davis to be such a, you know, threat right off the bat, probably. And so I'm hoping maybe they can open him up a little bit more, take some more shots, because I think he's got a great like a good shot at catching the ball, you know, whenever he whenever it's thrown up to him. It's just got to get there. And, of course, Brennan's got the arm, but, you know, on the interception, as I said, you know, he kind of threw it a little light, probably. If you just let it go, if you throw it high, Lavelle Davis is going to have a good shot at getting it. So I'm excited to see if they can open that up a little bit more. The other thing is I would like to see, um, you know, I feel like, and this isn't to say that the linebackers played badly, but I feel like the linebackers were a little bit absent from the game on um, on Saturday against Clemson because, you know, we had all those plays over the middle with ETN catching and running. Um, you know, the, we only had two sacks during the game, and one of those sacks was from Joey Blunt. The other one was from uh, Richard Burney. So the linebackers are, are you know, our top-tier linebackers didn't have any sacks in that game. I'd really like to see the linebackers get after the quarterback a little bit more and uh, provide more pressure so that our our defensive backs downfield have a little bit more um, or less time that they need to cover.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point actually. Um, and something uh, we kind of noticed watching the game as well is, you know, they would at times go five linebackers on the field They'd keep Jackson and Zandier in there and they'd have Snowden, Taylor and Gammon there. And, you know, none of them just really seem to be able to get home. And part of that is because Lawrence is so aware in the pocket. Part of that is because it's a strong offensive line for Clemson, but you know, for the outside linebackers still being our best position unit, I think there is more room for them to make plays. You know, we saw Noah Taylor had a sack and a half against Duke, but mm-hmm. Charles Snowden hasn't really been too much in the backfield so far in these two games this season. And again, someone actually asked Bronco about that. Uh, you know, how how do you rate kind of Charles Snowden's performance mm-hmm. um, since he's been a bit quiet on the stat sheet? And he said, you know, He's been solid. He's been sound, but he hasn't had that many impactful plays so far this season. I think that's a fair assessment. And out of your senior captain, I think you want a bit more out of that. Um, but, you know, I think part of it, too, is looking at the linebackers as well against Clemson, um, especially the inside guys. You know, I think Nick Jackson's going to be an absolutely terrific player, but I would say his strengths are more kind of against the run at this point and that he's probably still developing as a coverage linebacker Mm -hmm. and I would say Zane Zandier's strengths are definitely as a pass rusher and against the run and he's not necessarily the best coverage linebacker. Um, so I think that kind of contributed a little bit to, to ETN's underneath routes where he's had success. And I think going up against an NC state team where Virginia, you know, is going to have a length advantage is going to have a bit of a size and strength advantage. I think hopefully we'll see these guys rebound there, but I do think that is an interesting point to bring up. Um, outside linebackers and inside guys in Italy against Clemson
1: yeah because you know we we talked all offseason about you know Snowden Taylor how we think that they're pretty really good players in the ACC we were kind of shocked when a lot of people did not have them on all ACC teams at least and so it it's a little f- not frustrating but it's it's kind of curious that they haven't been Um, able to get home as much this season. We know Taylor, of course, had one and a half against Duke. But uh, against Clemson, it's a little bit more, you know, reasonable because, you know, they were against one of the best offensive lines that they're ever going to play against, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see if this is a trend that continues. Uh, Is Snowden able to rebound? Snowden had a good game against Duke. He knocked down a couple passes. But is he going to be able to... um, to, uh, you know, do it really well like that.
2: Yeah, it's certainly something worth monitoring because that's something with Charles Snow. We've seen him have kind of those big play games. You know, you think back to his sophomore year it was mm-hmm. against Louisville. Um, you think back to last year, it was old Dominion. But he's kind of inconsistent at times too. You know, he'll have a great game and then you won't see him for a month or so. Mm-hmm. So you'd certainly love to see what he can do there. Um, the other point you bring up, which I think is really interesting, and kind of leads uh, me into a bit into what I wanted to talk about earlier is this Virginia receiving core. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
2: you know, it's certainly not necessarily what it was last year. Um, I would say the bright spot of this group absolutely right now is Billy Kim, you know, Billy Kim, 10 receptions for 96 yards against Clemson, you know, really sure hands, you know, pretty crafty route runner. He's, he's certainly developed into a guy that really has a shot to get, 80 90 receptions this year he's really played well jana has been solid although not necessarily as impactful as he was late in the season last year so that's something that i think it kind of makes sense to monitor as we go on of course lavelle davis is the talk of uh the team for the past two weeks but he's a true freshman you know you want to see him keep growing and evolving and i'll tell you give him another year or two once he's really able to grow into a size i think he'll be really strong um Another thing, another positive I'll say, I do like how we're using the running backs a bit more in the receiving game this year. You know, Wayne Talapapa had five receptions all of last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Against Clemson, he had two receptions for 24 yards. Shane Simpson had a reception for nine yards. I do like how we're using them. But to kind of bring it to the point where I want to talk about more is kind of this Brennan Armstrong interception, the one right before halftime. And if you go back and look at that play, where he throws that interception, you see he's, it's a play action. He rolls left and the two receivers that are coming right to left on that play are Keaton Thompson and Ira Armstead. Mm-hmm. Now Keaton Thompson did have that goal line touchdown, which was nice. But the fact that we're playing our receiver or our backup quarterbacks at wide receiver, Dustin, does this tell you, does this signal to you versatility? Does it signal to you, Hey, we're thin at receiver. That's kind of a determination I'm trying to make right now. So I'm curious what you think.
1: So, you know, I I was on Twitter a lot during the game, and I saw something from an old UVA quarterback, Kurt Benkert, um, kind of, I think, on the same mold as what you're saying is, why why are these two quarterbacks in... Why do we have three quarterbacks in the game at the same time? And I think what he said was that you always want to have the best players on the field at the same time. So I think because of their athleticism because of their football knowledge they're probably in on the field at those times now do I want Brennan throwing to them all the time probably not do I want them to be in there on some gadget plays I think that would be great but I think maybe this is part of the offense maybe an eye is throwing them in there early on so that teams become normalized to them that way if we do more gadget things later on it's not as weird when they're in the game um and you know, they have they, they don't seem like bad receivers. They've both caught a pass so far this year. I just think it's kind of, you know, weird that they play a lot as much as they do. Um that's just that's kind of how I feel, and that's how um, you know, I think I don't really want Brennan throwing to them that much. Let's just put it that way. So on that first interception, why are they the two receivers in the area in that in that case? I think that's the point I'm trying to make
2: yeah you know i fall kind of right where you are um i'm not opposed to them playing necessarily but that's an area where i would like to see kind of if you're going to run that route concept i'd rather kind of have our true wide receivers running that route Mm -hmm. um but yeah no i agree with you i think kind of an interesting point too is um you know i keep bringing up broncos press conference today because we're recording this on monday we typically record on um Sundays is how it normally goes so now we actually have the benefit of hearing kind of what the coach and team had to say following the game and someone again asked Bronco about Keaton Thompson and you know it seems like Keaton Thompson has more or less kind of made a permanent switch to wide receiver because Bronco was gushing about him you know he's so athletic you know he's learning to run routes now you know he's playing on some special teams play so he has to get used to that it seems like most of Keaton Thompson's practice time is spin at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully this is a question that we'll never have to answer. You know, what happens that quarterback, if Brendan Armstrong were to get hurt. Um, but to be honest with you, I'm not totally sure what would happen. You yeah. know, I don't know if Keaton Thompson would be the backup if they turn to Ira Armstead, who's done really well. Um, you know, I'd say Lindell Stone is definitely more of a coach than a player at this point of his career, but mm-hmm. he's – you know, not the one running routes. Um, so to be honest, I really don't know what the backup quarterback situation is. So to me, just, it's a really, really interesting dynamic here.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of strange. Like I, I don't know who becomes quarterback, like, because last year, for example, um, when Bryce, when Bryce got injured, they, um, or sorry, when Drew Brees got injured last year, I'm a Saints fan. And uh, they didn't play Taysom Hill nearly as much in those, uh, I think it was six weeks maybe when he was out because they needed a backup quarterback if Teddy Bridgewater had to go out. So that was just kind of their, that was the Saints' Saints's, um, idea for their backup quarterback situation. And we're kind of in the same similar mold at UVA this year. I mean, we don't have a Taysom Hill kind of gadget player, we, but we do have two backup quarterbacks who are playing wide receivers. So I think it's just kind of a weird situation. I think we'll figure out more as the year goes on how they're going to be used, especially Ira Armstead. I think, you know, as a freshman, he's still probably growing, still probably figuring out how to where he fits into the situation. Keaton Thompson has been in, in the game for a while. He his body's pretty built up and um so and it sounds like what you're saying is that Bronco thinks or is going to try and push him towards to be a full-time wide receiver.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's certainly kind of what we're seeing so far and kind of what Broncos comments indicated today. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's really interesting. You think about, you know, kind of we in Charlottesville knew, even when Keaton Thompson came in, Brennan Armstrong kind of had that inside track to the job, the starting quarterback job, but to the national media, this was a real quarterback competition, um, that Keaton was going to come in and to many people, you know, Keaton Thompson was a really, really highly regarded quarterback prospect, um, so, you know, just on the surface, it looked like, you know, Keaton could certainly push Brennan. Um, of course, we know maybe he did push him a lot. Maybe he didn't as much. We know Brennan won that job. But it really is, to me, that's one of the more interesting things watching this offense. You know, thankfully, the offensive line looks pretty good. And it looks like we're going to get Bobby Haskins back too. So we'll have to see if he kind of factors into the rotation at all. He played left tackle on that final scoring drive uh, that UVA had. So we'll see. But at minimum, it looks like we're getting another depth piece back um, who started all of last year as well. So kind of our attention has kind of stopped being, you know, focused on the offensive line and what does this shuffle look like to really back to the receivers. And the receivers kind of evolved as the season went on last year and really didn't kind of reach their final form, if you will, uh, until the second half of the season. So I just think we're seeing the same thing this year. Um, You know, seeing how the receivers play out, one surprise is that Rashawn Henry through two games has not recorded a catch yet. Um, he was just transferred out of St. Francis. So not sure how much he's necessarily going to factor into the passing game. Um, but we're definitely seeing how this receiving core is kind of evolving. And, you know, at least what we're able to tell is that Billy Kemp is the focal point. Jana is a weapon on the outside. They like throwing to uh, Tony Poljan, but the rest you know, both players and consistency is still working itself out.
1: Yeah, and I actually want to go back to that word consistency that you said, and I want to mention um, Brennan Armstrong's start to the game on Saturday, 0 for 6 to start the game in the passing. What do you think that has to deal with? Is that his, his touch with his receivers, or is that him just being kind of inaccurate to start games?
2: You know, I think I think it's certainly easy to say it's a combination of both. I don't know if nerves plays a role in there as well, because I can certainly see that. Um, you know, Brennan as a passer is not as accurate as Bryce Armstrong was, at least at this stage of Brennan's career compared to the stage Bryce was in last year. You know, Brennan on the season is completing about 55% of his passes. You know, Bryce was somewhere in the 60 range, and that's generally where you want to get uh, Brennan too, and you know you hope by the end of the season, maybe next season, he's there. Um, but you know you're not doing a guy any favors either when you think about Bryce last year. You know Joe Reed and Hasee Stuplaw were both seniors, Terrell Jena Jr., um, and you know already had a year in the system. Bryce had one. The other guys had three or four years in the system. So it's it's just kind of a different comparison point, and Looking back at the Kurt Benkert years, you know, he was an upperclassman when he started for UVA in 2016 and 2017. Bryce Perkins was an upperclassman when he started for UVA in 17 or in 18 and 19. Brendan Armstrong's an underclassman still. So I think we just kind of have to be patient with him as he grows into this role. Again, I haven't seen anything from Brendan Armstrong that makes me think he can't be a really good player for UVA. Mm-hmm. You know, that first throw he made to Lavelle Davis when he was rolling left and kind of placed the ball right in a bucket into his hands, that was a really, really good throw. Um, and a throw that a lot of quarterbacks can't make. You know, he's a strong runner. I think he has all the tools he wants as quarterback. He's just still pretty green. Um, so I don't know if it's fair to attribute anything there. You know, you think back to Duke. He also had a really slow start against Duke. I think I read somewhere he started like 11 for 31 against Duke, but then completed yeah. most of his final 10 passes or something like that. I think it's just a growing situation and I think he'll grow into it and I think he will be more consistent, but you know, it's it's just kind of one of those things that we're going to have to be patient with as, as the season progresses.
1: Yeah. I think, I think you said it really well. I think we're going to, I think as the season goes on, he'll learn how to start games probably a little bit better. And um, also just, you know, be better in, those situations starting games and getting rid of those nerves. You know, Clemson did have some fans in the stands last night, so maybe that has something to do with it. I think it'll be it'll be nice to, for him to play kind of not his very first game and not a game against the number 1 team in the country. Just NC State, just regular old NC State at home and hopefully he'll be able to start off really well.
2: Yeah, and kind of wrap up the Brennan Armstrong conversation. One thing that I actually don't know and would be curious to know is our offensive coaches strategy and scripting plays, you know, lots of teams will script the first 10 plays the first 15 plays because they want to see how defenses react, what they do. And, you know, that allows them to kind of change their game plan and, you know, see what plays could work, could not work for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. I don't know how our offense goes about scripting plays at the beginning of the game. So if any of our listeners know, I'd be actually really curious to know, um, how we handle that because that could be something that's happening with Brennan Armstrong as well. You know, is this something where the staff is more focused on, you know, trying to set up the defense for plays in the third and fourth quarter than necessarily getting Brennan into a rhythm or, you know, are these plays that they want Brennan to, you know, be more efficient at. Um, so I don't know that that's something I just thought about that. I'd be curious to learn more. Um, but, you know, regardless, I think Brennan will improve. I think his numbers will go up. I think, and the second half of the season, we're going to see a much more confident and a much more consistent Brennan
1: Armstrong. And hopefully by the end of the, by the second half of the season, we'll have some receivers and we'll kind of have a better idea of, you know, is Billy Kemp really the number one receiver? Is Jana going to kind of get out of the slow start that he's in? Uh, is Lavelle Davis going to be a, a deep threat on every play? I think these are all questions that we can answer then. There's one more thing. I want to touch on about the Clemson game and that was kind of how equal our stats were to theirs. Um in terms of just raw stats, you know, we had uh 49, only 49 less yards than them. They had 466, we had uh 417. That's that's not 49. Oh wait, no it is. That is that is 49. Uh 466 to 417. We actually outpossessed them uh with 33 minutes to about 27 minutes. We had more first downs than them, 25 to 22. So why, besides the interceptions, was there anything that made this score more lopsided than, than what it seemed on should be on paper?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the interceptions are an easy place to start. And, you know, I think the other thing is explosive plays. And we talked about this when UVA, um, we were previewing this game last week, you know, how does UVA limit? clemson's explosive plays and how do they find explosive plays of their own and that's really what football is these days ground and pound days are pretty much done it's how many points can you score and how fast can you score them mm-hmm. so you know i actually don't have any numbers off the top of my head but you know i know clemson had several passes that went for 20 yards that went for 30 yards etn had a couple of nice rushes and you know when i think back to what were uva's big plays they had that great drive to end the first half where uva just March right down the field. I think Brennan was sacked on the first play, but then he completed three plays and three passes in a row. You know, I think it was Lavell Davis, Billy Kemp, and Terrell Jana, and just marched right down for a touchdown. Um, but then, kind of outside of that, there just weren't that many big, explosive, kind of game-changing plays. You know, mm-hmm. the offense was overall a bit slow to start the game. Um, you know, you just want and that's something that'll come with time again. And, you know, something that we really had the luxury of having Bryce Perkins last year. You, know, you could count on Bryce for a couple long runs each game. Um, but to me, that's really the big difference is the turnovers in Clemson, just the threat of the big play. Um, and from time to time, they're just going to capitalize. And, you know, you saw that not a ton, not nearly as much as we saw in the ACC championship game, but still more than UVA had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that plays a big role as well.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, before we move on any further, I want to talk about our sponsors, Bet Online. The wait is finally over; a triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff early. On the NBA finals are here, the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet online. Online is going the extra mile to Make sure you can get on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today to take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, and we are also sponsored by Manscaped. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 will also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and includes tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp with natural hydrators and antioxidants. you also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner. That's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of the show will get 20% off plus free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair. It's time time to grab 2020 by the balls and speaking of balls uh we're talking about footballs here <laughs> we got um a game next week against nc state rob what do you what do you think about nc state so far this year so far nc state is two and one two and one in the conference as well uh espn gives uva a 62.7 percent chance to win this game uh how do you feel about this game
2: yeah, you know this is a game that I think UVA should win. Um, it's certainly one that you'd expect them to if you think they're gonna have the season that they probably should have. Um, you know, NC State at two and one, it's probably about the weakest two and one you can have. Um, they beat Wake Forest, which is also not a very good team in the ACC week one. Um, they were crushed by a really shorthanded Virginia Tech team last week, and then um, this past week they played Pitt and. To their credit, you know, they did have a nice kind of comeback win against Pitt. They scored a touchdown with about 30 seconds left there, which was a really nicely thrown ball. Um, But Look, this is a game that you really want to see Virginia come out and win. This is a game where you want to see the defense really play like they did against Duke, you know, create pressure on the quarterback, call some turnovers. And, you know, a game where I'd also like to see the offense um, lean a bit more on the offensive line and lean a bit more on the ground game. And, you know, if this is the type of game where Wayne can have kind of a similar stat line to where he had against Duke, and maybe you can keep Brennan's throws down a bit. Uh, maybe you can work Shane Simpson in there a bit as well. This is a game where I'd like to see kind of Virginia control the game. And, you know, they, it always felt like they were in control against Duke, even though they were down in the second half. This is, I'd like to see them kind of take a step up from that Duke performance, and you know, feel like they're controlling the game, but also be in the lead, maybe by a touchdown, two touchdowns um, kind of throughout the second half. Um, but, yeah, with that said, what are what are you kind of looking for?
1: I just I just kind of want to see, you know, how we played in that first game against Duke, except for the part where we didn't play the first quarter or the third quarter really well. I want to see it like a complete game from this team, something we haven't seen so far in this young season. I think that if we have a complete game, we get the defense involved, we get some of those um, wide receivers involved, let's get the running game up and going, I'm really looking forward to kind of a blowout win, um, or at least a good game from this team. I think that a complete game would kind of uh, you know, give Brennan some confidence, uh, would give him a, a good chance to prove... Uh, his talents and also let him show off a little bit as well. Cause I think that this team is really good and can be really good. We just need to prove it, I think, and we need to be able to show what we've got.
2: Yeah. And, you know, looking at the broader ACC, it's definitely, it's a stronger league than it was last year. I think that's a very fair assessment. And, but when you look at these next two games, you know, you look at NC state and you look at wake forest Those are two games that you really, really want to win you your UVA because the opportunity to be at three and one going into what I would define as kind of the defining stretch of the season at Miami, home against North Carolina and home against Louisville, you know, you really want to go into that stretch at three and one. Mm -hmm. And I look at NC State and I see a winnable game and I look at Wake Forest and I see a winnable game. And, you know, Virginia and every team in the country really doesn't have the benefit of having a non-conference slate to, you know, more or less pad the schedule. You know, there's not a UConn this year. Um, you know, there's not a Richmond this year or William & Mary. Like, every every game that Virginia wins is going to be earned, um, you know, in ACC play because that's just the way the schedule's worked this year. So, I don't want to downplay the NC State game because, listen, they're 2-1. They've played an extra week of football, uh, one more week of football than UVA has. And, you know, they beat a ranked pit team last week. So I don't want to downplay this game, but at the same time, you know, looking at this game on paper, NC State's a program that's really fallen the past couple of years from where they were um, for really about a decade when they were co- consistently pushing that double digit win threshold. Um, so I look at this game and I, I just really want to see UVA come out consistent and come out and act like you know, they've learned something and they've improved for the better from this game against Clemson because that certainly was the case, you know, transitioning from Clemson to Florida and Broncos such a big believer in, you know, having these teaching moments and really building off of performances where you can judge the team on the biggest stage. You know, I really just want to see that come to fruition. I want to see a consistent football team and hopefully one that, you know, I think can win this game by 10 to 14 points.
1: Yeah, uh, just looking at NC State's stats, they allow 38.7 points per game and over 460 yards per game as well. I feel like this is a good chance for UVA to especially get their run game going. Um, NC State allows 185 rush yards per game, and this is only through three games, so it's a not a lot of stats, but um, it's certainly telling about NC State. They're kind of high-offense. Not a lot of defense, and I'm hoping you know if UVA can can run with Clemson a little bit. Hopefully, we can run with NC State, and um, I'm hoping that this is a win for the Hoos. Uh, Rob, what is your take on the COVID situation within the UVA locker room? We had some players out and one coach out against Clemson because of COVID nineteen testing positive. How do you feel about it, and how do you think the team is going to deal with it moving forward?
2: Yeah, you know, it was, it was certainly surprising from, you know, not having any positive tests. I'd say surprising, you know, it's certainly much more difficult with students back on grounds now, you know, all of the students that is back on grounds, including the first year, so it, it kind of is what it is. You know, Broncos said today they're not sure where the positive outbreaks came from, and we know of the seven people that missed the game, you know there was some split. You know, some actually tested positive, some where did not test positive necessarily, but had contact contact tracing where they were held out. So we don't know who the players are. Bronco said they're going to reveal the number of players, but not who the players were. You can kind of look at the participation reports and get an idea um, of who those players might have been. Um, comparing Duke to uh Clemson but again we don't know definitively who all those players were uh you know it's just an added element of this season and it's something that you know you don't you don't want to reach Virginia Tech levels where you know you have times where 20 30 40 players aren't available but I think it's realistic to say that even when you're taking all the precautions that it seems like on the surface at least that UVA is taking it's just almost an inevitable part of the season you know it's just something that we're all dealing with in our own lives and something that they're certainly dealing with as well and probably taking more risks you know being Mm. in close contact with people on the field and traveling and all that so you know it's i don't even want to say it's disappointing you know um i would have loved to gone through the season with no positive tests and i like how the team has really embraced that as a motivating point of you know being good about these tests but at the end of the day, you know, there's only so much you can do out there. Um, mm-hmm. so I I view it as almost inevitable and not something to really get up in arms about. Um, how do you feel about it?
1: I mean, I think I think it's actually, you know, it's it's I think it was humbling for a lot of UVA fans because after um the whole tech canceling their game with us debacle and UVA fans were kind of shaming tech for their uh, lack of COVID or seemingly lack of COVID protocols. And of course, now, even with UVA's very strict protocols and very, um, it seem seemingly very good contact tracing, uh, we were unable to, to have some of our guys play. And we still had people who were either in contact with people who had test positive or, um, tested positive themselves so I think it was actually very humbling for a lot of UVA fans um, so far it it didn't seem like as you said they were there were no starters who had it which is a good sign um, and I hope that you know whoever has it gets well soon and hopefully they can be back at practice um, but yeah just it, it's another as you said another element to this season who's going to be in and out of each game kind of depends on the week. You know, we, in the NFL this week, Cam Newton tests positive, uh, Patriots and, uh, Seattle gets pushed back to Monday night. And, um, so yeah, it's just another added element to the season and something we're going to have to deal with probably not for just this year, but probably, um, in future years to come.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, you can just hope to control it as well as you can. It's just kind of one of those new elements this season and something that every team is dealing with. And I'm glad we have football at least, you know, there was a stretch there where I really, really did not think we were going to have football. Um, so I love that we're able to at least play, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a new dynamic we have to deal with and, you know, it's totally unfortunate and unfortunately though, it just kind of is what it is. Um, so hopefully, I will say the NFL uh, protocols and game postponements and cancellations really mess with my fantasy teams this week. <laughs> Not the best showing for my fantasy teams. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just kind of an added element and something that you know you plan for as best you can.
1: Mm-hmm. Rob, is there anything else you want to add uh, about the NC State game, about the Clemson game before I want to play an act? I want to play a game with you on on this podcast before we go
2: (laughs) now you got me excited man let's do the game okay
1: let's do the game so the game is uh the last the the person who has the least stats on the team so far this year so they're not the i'm not we're not saying they're the worst but the person at the bottom of each stat we're gonna go through and we're gonna see if you can guess who it is does that sound okay all right let's do
2: it okay
1: so um, and this is this doesn't count for like people who have no stats at all, but it's people who have gone in games, completed a stat, and they are currently at the bottom of that stat list. So who of the quarterbacks or the people who have thrown a pass for UVA this season, who has the least amount of passing yards? The well,
2: least amount is Lindell Stout. Mm hmm. Because he had that pass to Vars Kelly, that pop pass that went for negative yards. Nice. Very, I'm not looking at the i I'm not looking at the sheet, so hopefully I'm right.
1: Very well done. No, you are right. It is Lindell Stone. Lindell Stone has negative seven passing yards. Keontae Thompson actually has zero passing yards, so he has technically more passing yards than Lindell Stone, although he has zero. He had that one pass <laughs> to Brennan Armstrong uh against Duke, but it was incomplete. Okay, cool. Um least amount of rushing yards.
2: Um, I'll guess Lindell Stone here as well. Maybe he took a couple knees last week.
1: No, no knees for Lindell Stone, at least none, um, none listed on the stats. It's actually Paris Jones, 11 rushing yards so far this season, uh, two attempts. I think he actually ran out the clock against Duke in week one. Hey,
2: not bad. I was expecting negative yards. Yeah. So not that.
1: Yeah. We're doing okay. Uh, receiving yards, least amount of receiving yards so far this season.
2: I'll guess Tavares Kelly since he had that one mm-hmm. reception, which is his only on the season. He yes. was in he was in a boot this week reportedly, so he did not play against Clemson.
1: Interesting. Do you, do you know why he was in a boot? I didn't know that.
2: Uh no, I don't actually. Um, so hopefully it's something not too seriously. He at least traveled with the team. Okay. Um, but yeah, not not sure kind of how significant that injury is.
1: I don't know how it is for all college athletics. And if someone knows if they could tell me on Twitter, that would be great. But I feel like UVA would put everyone, every athlete in a boot for like anything that happened after a game. <laughs> I would see, you know, Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter walking around in boot around grounds and be like, did they break their leg? Like what's happening? And, you know, they'd be fine uh, just a to stub toe. So I don't know. I think is is that like, is it serious? Probably. Is it super serious? It's really difficult to tell. Okay, moving on. Um, Lowest amount of total tackles.
2: I mean, I feel like there's got to be several players with one just through, like, special teams. There are... But I have no idea.
1: There are six players with one. If you guess any of the six, I'll give you this point.
2: Um... Does Hayden Mitchell have a tackle on special teams?
1: Yes, he does. Okay. I, I
2: don't know where to go from there, but I'll if, take that if one. If you
1: can guess more, you can <laughs> you'll get more points. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um how about Cohen King?
1: Uh not listed, no.
2: Okay. Um I don't know. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> so you said Hayden Mitchell's one Tucker. Finkelston is another one, the long snapper, Josh Ahern, a linebacker, Hunter Stewart, a linebacker. Darius Bratton only has one tackle so far. And Terrell Jana, one tackle so far this year. So, um that is that is the stat that I like the most. All right, we're gonna do one more. Um, lowest amount of sacks so far this year.
2: People that have a least recorded above zero right yes i think jameer carter shared a sack with noah taylor last week mm-hmm. so i'll go with jameer carter
1: you are exactly correct jameer carter has 0. 0.5 um Noah taylor has 1.5 matt gam has one and richard burney has two juan briggs also has a sack so good job i play with the wrong person i gotta play with someone who doesn't know uh <laughs> who doesn't look at the stats uh over breakfast but good job rob i'm proud of you <laughs>
2: Thank you. You know, hopefully the um, <laughs> we played in a trivia night that was um, uh-huh. a couple weeks ago. I guess it was months ago at this point. Uh, you know, DC club in New York, DC club of uh, DC. and we' doing UVA sports. U- U-V-A,
1: UVA club. UVA club. You said DC club.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe if they put more questions about the actual stats and uh-huh. things that weren't, you know, 30, 40 years ago, maybe we had done a- Maybe done a bit better because that's a,
1: that's what Rob was studying for that trivia night. It wasn't you know <laughs> who was drafted you know 50 years ago by the ABA. I, know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs>
2: that was a question or something like that. No. It was a
1: crazy question. I it was um oh who was it? Was it it was Wally? Was it Wally Walker? Who was he drafted by? Yeah, it
2: was like who drafted Wally Walker?
1: <laughs> it was something great. We didn't know. We didn't win that trivia. <laughs> are we? Are we just? are we uh imposters rob do we actually know uva sports
2: <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe give ourselves another 40 years and we'll do <laughs> all right
1: that's why we're only the second best uva podcast <laughs> as voted on by many people
2: of course of course <laughs>
1: we make that joke because some people have told us that they like they like us but they like other ones better and it's always a different uva podcast no one like no one can agree on the best uva podcast a lot of people think we're the second best, and we'll take it. We're very happy with second. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that.
2: <laughs> Silver medal is not the worst.
1: I know, right? You still get a medal. Um, anyway, Rob, <laughs> anything else you want to add about this week, upcoming? Uh, any any yells you want to give? I don't have any yells this week that I've seen.
2: Yeah, you know, I I do think it makes sense to give at least one yell to our guys. Um, you know I'll give it to Billy Kemp because you know you think back to Billy Kemp um, you know as a freshman you know really you know one of the lowest rated recruits in the class um, if you remember that offseason he came in in a class that was Tavares Kelly and Hugo Obasi and Tavares Kelly you know was kind of flashy those first couple of weeks in practice but it hasn't really put it out on the field yet Hugo Obasi just continues to battle injuries um seems like he's out for the season as well which is really unfortunate um but you look at billy Kemp, man billy Kemp has turned in from someone that was kind of a bit of a undersized receiver on the depth chart who really was hardly seen in a game until the bulk bowl when he was the punt returner against south carolina to someone that's really really developed into a consistent weapon for this team um so yeah, we'll give a yell to Billy Kemp. Billy Kemp's come a long way these past two years, and it's really cool to see him kind of fill that and Zacchaeus role.
1: Um, I do want to give a shout out to this. This it was this is old news, but Mamidi Kite. Uh, we're gonna mention some basketball now. Uh, he is going to participate in the NBA Combine, uh, NBA Draft Combine, which will happen at some point soon, probably once the playoffs are over. So good luck to him and uh in his quest for uh, going to the nba and also good luck to braxton key i don't think he's participating in the combine but i'm sure he's working out trying to be able to play somewhere um so good luck to both of them and with that uh we are done for today thanks rob for joining me thanks guys for listening we really appreciate it and make sure to follow us on twitter at guys and ties pod make sure to follow us on instagram and snapchat at guys and ties pod for all that bonus content make sure to give us a follow on insta oh no we already said that spotify and iTunes if you want to keep listening to us. And go check out Armchair Media. They've got a whole bunch of podcasts out. You we know, We're in the middle of NBA Finals, MLB Playoffs, and, uh, of course, football. And there's a bunch of fights going on too, so it's super fun. Make sure to check them out. And we will see you guys next week. Go Hoos, beat NC State.